0: Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are continuing this message series entitled Broken images. It's true that when we look throughout the Bible, those of us that are followers of Jesus in this room, um, we look through the Bible and then we look at individuals and characters that become heroes of the faith. And when we come into difficulties, we try to think of those stories to be able to encourage us, to be able to challenge us. Um, But isn't it true for those of us who maybe have read through Scripture countless numbers of times, we begin to see that God doesn't use perfect people. He actually uses broken people for his perfect plan. And And that really, really is a struggle at times because growing up, we always um, view our heroes biblically by the successes that they have, and we kind of ignore their failures. But the truth is, in my life, I tend to learn more from my failures than I do from my successes because failure hurts. We remember those pains of failure. And we, ha- we are either doomed to repeat them or we learn from our mistakes and we challenge ourselves and we learn new directions and we begin to put new spaces and paces in our life that allow us to have more success. And so today, we're going to learn through the life of a guy by the name of Jacob. And Jacob is a man that is one of those biblical characters that we know a lot about. And we kind of ignore a lot of his faults, and we kind of look at the successes, but the truth is, is Jacob had a messy life, and, and we're going to learn a lot about a couple of different principles, and maybe you'll be able to relate to what he's going through. And as we do, we're going to learn a lot about the principle of value. You know, I remember growing up as a baseball player, and, and it's true for a lot of baseball players, is, is you're only as good as your last game. If you watch pro sports and you see pro sports, if you have an athlete that has an amazing Sunday as a football player or an amazing game as a baseball player, um, you look at him and he's a hero. But then all of a sudden, if he has, uh, the next day goes 0 for 3 or drops three passes and then all of a sudden he loses the game, then you look at him and his value in a different way. But life is not meant to have our value ebb and flow depending on our decisions or actions. But isn't it true in humanity that's what we do? Like, how valuable is your spouse today? Today, how valuable is a father? Just because it's Father's Day doesn't make that individual more valuable. Well, today we're going to learn about the principle of value, and maybe it just might change the, our outlook for each day. In order to illustrate this more than just sports, because I am guilty of that because I do love sports, do you know that there was a great violin maker? You can look at his name right here. His name is Guarneri del Gesù. And he was an incredible violin maker. He made 150 violins about almost 300 years ago. And at an auction about 20 years ago, they had one of his violins, and it sold for $3.5 million, which is now worth to about 25 to $30 million about seven months ago, and now is about $700 million due to inflation. That's a joke. <laughs> Feels that way, though, doesn't it? But you might ask yourself the question, well, Terry, how is it that this this violin is worth so much money? Well, you begin to see, obviously, that he handmade each of these violins, but something happened immediately after he passed away, because all of a sudden, supply and demand kicked in. There would be no more supply of violins that this violin maker would make. And so, therefore, his last violin that he made intrinsically rose in value. And you might ask the question, well, Terry, how how do people label value? Like, how do we measure our value? But like even in auctioning off this violin, how do individuals measure the value of something? Well, did you know that the the actual auctioneers, they actually have a system for how they place value on something? And it's kind of interesting and it relates to what we're going to talk about today. So let's take a look at how value is based upon. Ready? Value is based upon five different ingredients. First, you need to know that age and rarity is not the source of value. Now, right away, we'd say, well, it's the rarity or it's the age of something. Well, not necessarily. Sometimes something is not valuable even though it is very, very old. Number two, brand name matters. Brand name matters. Now, you would say, well, Terry, what do you mean by that? I can tell you right now, if you go to a shoe store and you look at the racks and you find a shoe that doesn't have an image of a guy by the name of Michael Jordan, that's going to be far cheaper than one that does. Brand name matters. Number three is the one we're gonna key on today, and we're gonna come back to it. But number three, did you know that value can change in an instant? Value changes in an instant. And a lot of times that is because of number four, which is called perception. I was reading an online article today of a baseball player last year who signed a multi, 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 multi million dollar contract. And an article came out today because his perceived value then was he was high millions, one of the best players and this year he is performing at one of the lowest levels being threatened to send down to the minor leagues. His value is really low. Perception sometimes is all about value. And number five, as we know today, world events can also change value. If you've checked your 401k, you know that to be true. World events matter. However, I mentioned earlier that number three is the key. Number three is this, value can change in an instant. And when a person dies, the value increases exponentially. When that individual passed away, the violin maker, his violin exponentially increased. And so if someone dies, value increases. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit, but today we're going to tell a little bit of the story of a man by the name of Jacob. And what we've been doing over the course of the last couple of weeks is we've been taking a look at the highest success of an individual and the lowest of lows of an individual, and we're seeing if we can learn something, or maybe there is a hidden thread in their story that we can take away and apply to our tomorrow. Does that make sense? So I'm going to take that as a yes. So let me set this story up. A guy by the name of Jacob, Jacob was the son of Isaac, and, and Jacob was a manipulator. If you ever wonder about the theme of Jacob, Jacob learned from his mom he was a manipulator. He wanted to control certain things, and he figured out ways in which he can do certain things, say certain things in order to get what he wanted. In fact, his mother put him up to tricking his father into the birthright and the blessing. And by doing so, that set off a course of action in his life that we know is a very famous story. So we pick up the story here because Jacob has tricked his father. And now he goes back to his father, and his father has already given the blessing and given the birthright. His brother is aggravated and angry about the whole situation. So now they're a sibling rivalry. And so Jacob's life is a mess already, and so Jacob is going to be sent away because out of fear of his brother, but he's going to be sent away on a journey, and we're going to begin to follow this journey. So Isaac calls him in to be able to give him a last piece of instruction in Genesis chapter 28. So we're going to pick up the story there. It says, so Isaac called for Jacob, and he blessed him. And then he commanded him, all right, Jacob, do not marry a Canaanite woman, By the way, this is a common theme in Scripture. The Jewish people were not to intermarry with other individuals that did not believe in God. Does that make sense? Pretty simple, right? So he says, hey, I want to remind you, don't marry a Canaanite woman. Then he says this, go at once to Paddan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he also give you and your descendants the blessing giving to Abraham, so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way. He went to Padan Aram, to Laban, son of Bethul, to the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. So now Jacob goes. He's heading on that journey. All of a sudden, we know this, that as we continue to read Scripture, that Esau is not happy. And so sibling rivalry happens. And what I would tell you is, isn't it true that in our decision-making process, when we make certain decisions, it affects the course of our lives, even if they're absent? For instance, we're not going to see Jacob meet Esau for a very long time. However, it affected Jacob's life, because Jacob is on the run, and Jacob, in the back of his mind, knows that his brother has upset at him, and he's running from his brother, And there is a time clock ticking. And Jacob had to have been affected by the fact that he did that to his brother. And in the back of his mind, there is a sense of worry in his life. So this sibling rivalry is going to come to fruition in just a second. But we continue the story in verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Then, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head. He laid down to sleep. He then had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you'll spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offsprings. Don't miss this, and this is where we're going to center on. The Lord said, Jacob, I want you to know that I'm with you, and I'll watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely God is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying this, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob meets with God. Jacob looks at God and says, this must be holy ground. God is here. God met me. Isn't this amazing? He pours oil over a rock. And by the way, when, you, when individuals would erect a pillar to commemorate something, it was called a matzah. And a matzah was a pillar that commemorated a holy encounter. And I have to imagine that when Jacob woke up and he realized that God was there, it's like that Moses moment. Take your sandals off or you're standing on holy ground. And God looked at him, and don't forget, he says, I will be your God. I will watch over you. I will be with you. And I will be with you until I fulfill the promise that I've given you. It's as if God looked at him and said, God is with you. That God's presence is around you. And that, Jacob, you are standing on holy ground. Now, here's the wonderful thing. We're reading that story, and we're like, amen, Terry, amen, Terry, how many of you do know today that right now we're standing on holy ground? How many of you know today that God is with you? And you know, I, I, I know that we know that truth, but how many of us act that way? How many of us wake up in the morning and we realize that God is not just off into an area, but that God is with me this morning? You know, I think of single adults, and and it's difficult, especially nowadays, to be a single adult and to be able to to really navigate relationships and to figure out who is this relationship that I'm going to have, which is the right relationship, is this the guy the right guy, is this girl the right girl, I'm not really understanding of what that is. And what I would tell single adults all the time is, do you know that God wants you to make a wise choice? God wants you to make the wise choice with regards to your relationship. He wants the best for you. And many times, single adults, what we do, and I'm not picking on single adults, just using an illustration, is many times we sit there and think, God, I need you to speak. God, where are you? God, I just want to know. God, I'm vacillating back and forth, just I'm not sure. And I want to remind all of us, do you know that as a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you? And the Holy Spirit wants to speak every single day into our hearts and lives. And the problem is not that God's not speaking. The problem is is that we're not listening. And many of us, we don't know how to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. If you're Italian, you're like me. Many times the Holy Spirit tries to speak, but you think it's indigestion. And you're like, well, no, no, that's not God. No, that's not God. No, that's not God. No, 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 that's not God. No, God wouldn't do that. No, God wouldn't do that. And the reason why is, like Jacob, we want to control our decisions. Now, I'm not saying that to pick on us. Every one of us has a control problem. Some of you are like, how dare you? I do not have a control. Yes, we do. We all want to control certain aspects of our life. We want to control the fact that our car needs to start. It is hot outside, and I do not want to sit in the church parking lot and waste my Sunday. I want to control that I want to go to this place. I want to control that they have my favorite menu item on the menu. I want these things to happen. We all have control issues. But I'm reminded by this story, but do we remember that God is with me and that God wants to speak every single day. So I have a question for you. Do you see that? Do you sense it? Do you wake up each morning saying, God, you have a purpose and a plan and a promise for my life? And you're my God. And your promise is to watch over me. Your promise is to guide me. You don't want me to fall into harm and made unwise choices. And so God, I invite you because you're here. And this is holy ground. I invite you to speak. And God, help me to listen because every day you speak. Now, I'm going to be honest because some of you are like, oh, I feel terrible. I don't do that. Well, guess what? I think everyone in this room watching online and the balcony on the floor. Hardly any of us do that on a consistent basis, right? Because we all get up and this is our life. But if you were to wake up realizing that every day this is holy ground, where two or more are gathered, God is present, and with the Holy Spirit inside of us, God is with you. If we were to live our lives that way, does it change how you revalue your life? Does it change how you look at yourself? I know there's some struggling marriages here, and there's a spouse who might not have said some kind things in the past few months and it causes your spouse to feel less valued. And there are some of us that went through the pandemic and maybe you lost a job, maybe you lost wealth, maybe you have lost a loved one and you don't feel the value in your life that you once did. And so when you think about the fact that you have the Holy Spirit inside, does it change how you value your life or, or, Have you forgotten your value? And I think that's one of the lessons Jesus was trying to teach Jacob. Because Jacob was manipulating, Jacob was on the run, and God interrupts Jacob's journey and says, I want to remind you that I gave a promise to your ancestors, and that promise is for you as well. And I will be your God, and I will fulfill my promise, and I will watch over you, Jacob, and in that moment was a high moment for Jacob. Let me set up a stone. This is holy ground. This is where I met God. This is a matzvah. This is incredible. This is great. I love it. But do you know what happens next? If you know Jacob, oh, oh. Jacob leaves that place on the highest of mountains, and guess what happens? He goes right back to manipulating. Do you know that he was manipulated? He ended up having to, it's a long story and it's an incredible story. You're not gonna believe, get your popcorn out when you read the story of Jacob, let me just tell you. But he ends up marrying two women. He thought he was only gonna marry one, he got two. And then these two wives begin to battle over Jacob and then children are involved and it's messy and his family's messy and he becomes a pawn in manipulation, he manipulates, he's manipulated. It's messy, you talk about a dysfunctional family, they put the fun in dysfunction, let me tell you. And so Jacob is sitting there and he's going through all of this and I have to think of on a night when Jacob is sitting there and his wives are complaining, well, you were supposed to be with me last night. How did you go with her? And uh, Yes, it's crazy. I have to think somewhere Jacob had to be sitting there going, you know, I remember a time when I set up a pillar and God promised to be my God and God promised to watch over me and what am I doing? I'm not making wise choices. And so Jacob leaves Laban and he takes all of his possessions, all of his family, and he goes on the run. And this is where, if you're nodding off, lean in, because this is where it gets good. Jacob, all of a sudden, he takes his whole family, and a servant comes and says, Hey, do you remember your brother Esau? Oh, yeah. The guy that I stole the birthright and the blessing. Oh, yeah, I remember Esau. He's up ahead. Oh, um, I got a lot of family, and he's probably going to catch up to me. Okay go ahead to Esau and just talk to him and see how he responds. So he sends a servant up ahead. The servant goes to Esau and then the servant comes back to Jacob. Now imagine Jacob, he's nervous, right? He's a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. He's sitting there and all of a sudden, the servant goes, hey, I saw Esau. And he says he's coming to meet you. He is? And he's bringing 400 armed men. Jacob is scared. So all of a sudden, Jacob does what? This manly man, this hero of the faith. Do you know what Jacob decides to do? He becomes a coward. Because you know what he does? He sends all of his livestock, all of his possessions, all of his servant. And we're going to see in a second, he even sends his wives, and he sends them ahead of him. He's like, you guys going ahead. Uncle Esau is waiting for you. You guys go ahead. I'm going to wait back here. Tell me how it goes. I'll be, I'll be there in a second. And he sends them all ahead. And something's going to happen. Let's pick up the story Genesis 32, 22. That night, Jacob got up. He took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and he crossed the ford at the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And this is where the story gets interesting. This is a very famous pastor scripture. Lean in here, there's a lot of symbolism. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. And as he wrestled with the man, then the man said, Jacob, let me go for its daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you do what? Bless me. The man asked him, What's your name? Jacob, he answered. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and now you've overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, Jacob, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. This is a very interesting, there's so many different angles and so many different illustrations and content and information in this, but I want to lean to you on one thing. I believe the angel of the Lord met Jacob there to remind him of his value. Because Jacob was once again in a mess. And, and so Jacob wrestled with God. And the reason why I love that is, is because every single day, I think all of us are wrestling with God. I think we wrestle God in a myriad of ways. We don't listen to him. And when I say we don't listen to him, many of us think, well, Terry, what you're saying is is that we purposely, God says do this, and we say, no, I'm not even just talking about that. Yes, that's one way. But we don't listen to him because we don't recognize the value that we have inside of us, that we don't recognize that every husband in this room has the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus, and you have the wisdom from the Holy Spirit to be a better husband. And then when you do something that you know is wrong and the Holy Spirit says, hey, you should apologize to your wife right now because you blew it, and our pride kicks in and says, no, I'm not listening to you. We wrestle with God. And sometimes we just go our lives and we just don't realize we have the Holy Spirit and we ignore the Holy Spirit and we don't listen to the Holy Spirit and we're not even paying attention to the Holy Spirit. And so all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord wrestles with Jacob all night long. And I think the reason why he touched his hip was this, to say, do you realize the power that I have? Do you realize who you're wrestling with? I've wrestled with you all day because I love you, but at any moment, I could just go, "Poop," and I could stop this. And I think, how many of us in this room are wrestling with God? How many of us in this room are not realizing That he's here. I think the reason why is we do what Jacob did. We think that there is a place where God is. How many of you have said, God, I need you. God, I need you to show up. God, right now I've got a major decision. And so God, speak. As if God has been off somewhere. As if God is not paying attention. But do you know that's theologically inaccurate? Because with the Holy Spirit inside of us, God is there with us every single day watching over us. He wants to fulfill the purpose that he placed within you. And so why is it that we look at moments in our life and say, God, I need you. Where are you? When that is not accurate. God is with you in the moment. All we have to do is turn and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to listen today. And then all of a sudden when we pause and we get quiet and we listen, we're challenged. And God speaks. I think a better way to illustrate value is with a a famous illustration of value and I want to read it to you. Okay, you ready? The illustration goes like this. Suppose I asked you to carry a bag for me and leave it in a house down the road and suppose you generously did that, that'd be good. But if that's the next screen if you thought there was just rubbish in the bag but you carried it because I asked you that also would be good. But if you knew there was gold in the bag, it would make a difference. To know the worth of what you're carrying changes everything. I'm going to say that again, and I want you to think about it. To know the worth of what you're carrying changes everything. To know the fact that as followers of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. God in us changes everything. When you get a bad report from the doctor and you wonder, what am I going to do? The fact that you carry the Holy Spirit, God in you, that he promises to protect you, he promises that he has a plan for you, he promises that his ways are far greater than our ways, it changes everything. But do we see that? And do we recognize the gold inside? I close with three categories that I think we fall into. Because some of us are saying, well, Terry, what do I do? I I don't live life that way. I think there's three categories, and I think we need to recognize where we're at, okay? Because some of us in this room watching online or in the balcony, we might not be a follower of Jesus. And when I talk about the Holy Spirit, you don't have no idea what I'm talking about. And you fall into the first category, and I would say this. Some of us live life with eyes wide open. And eyes open spirituality, we embrace life, but we don't recognize the gold that is there. I've had several conversations with individuals about life. And they love their life. They love the world, but they don't recognize the creator of the things that they love. They stand out and they look at the ocean. Isn't it beautiful? And I said, yes, but do you know who created the oceans? God. Well, you know, we all have this, but it's just beautiful, isn't it? And so there's many of us who doubt that there is a God, but the truth of the matter is, is you're embracing and enjoying life. You have eyes open, but you don't see the gold. And that might be some of you. I think more in this room fall into the second category, and the second category is an eyes-closed spirituality. We embrace life, and we relish the surprise of gold. And what I mean by that is, is we think God meets us at specific places and times, but we control our lives, we control our decisions, and God shows up when he wants to show up. That's not theologically accurate. And so what we're doing is is we're walking through life with closed eyes, and then when God shows, oh, you should have seen, I was at camp last week, and man, God showed up as if God showed up for the first time in years. It was incredible. I saw people's lives change. It was awesome. God showed up. And so we walk with eyes closed as if God every day doesn't want to have that kind of moment with us. And so we relish when we see the gold, but we think that the gold doesn't happen, or we don't carry that gold. And that's the second value. I wish for every single one in the balcony floor and watching online, I wish we'd fall into the third category. And the third category is this, eyes open again. That we live life with the gold of God's light knowing our value and purpose. That every day that we remember that we are born again, that remember our eyes are open again that we view life through the idea of, you know what, Holy Spirit, you are inside of me. And because of you, don't miss this, I have value. No matter what he says, no matter what she says, no matter the mistakes I've made, I have Christ in me, I carry gold. And the world may tell me I'm not worth much, but that is a lie. Because God in me tells me that it's value. And I'm a child of God. And because of that, I can walk tall. And I never have to accept anybody who tells me I have less value. And the reason why I believe this goes all the way back to what we started with. How we value things. Remember value number three, rule number three? Do you remember what that was? Value can change in an instant. When the person dies, the value increases exponentially. God is speaking to all of us today to die to ourselves, to die to my pride. There are walls built between us so high because some of us in this room refuse to say, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. But if you realize you have Christ in you and he's speaking, You can do this. Put your pride down. When you die to yourself, your value will increase exponentially. Your marriage will improve. Your relationship with your kids will improve. If you understand that I must die so that my value increases, Christ speaks. But do you see it? Do you sense it? And today, when you leave this room and you get in your car and you drive down the road, are you going to recognize that Christ is with me? When you do, and when you realize you have that gold, it changes everything. Would you pray with me? God, right now in this room, eyes closed, heads bowed. There's individuals in this room watching online that might have never recognized the gold and A relationship with Jesus. And if that's you in this room, I want to give you an opportunity to know this. You don't have to understand everything about Christianity. You don't have to be a theologian of the Bible. You can absolutely not understand things. Because the gospel is simple. It is a gift. It's meant to be received so that you grow. And so in this room, if you're wondering beyond a shadow of a doubt whether you will go to heaven to see Jesus in eternity because you just don't know and you haven't trusted, then today's the day today's the day to open your eyes again and to see the gold. And the way that you do that is very simply, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I thank you that you desire relationship with me. And so God, forgive me. And because I know that you came and died on a cross for my sin, you forgive me, God. And because of that, if I promise to follow you as Lord and Savior, that I will spend eternity with you. And if I do that, God, you promise your Holy Spirit to walk within me and I will carry that and I have value. And if you've done that in this room today, then you can celebrate because you know that you will be in eternity. For those in this room that maybe you're struggling and maybe like me, we're inconsistent with recognizing the gold that we carry and the value that we carry, then you might echo this prayer in your heart. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. God, forgive me for thinking you're in a place when the reality is, is you're in my heart. And God, right now, I want to listen to you more. I want to put my pride down and I want you to speak. God, I believe that you have a promise, a plan, and a purpose for my life and because you have that, God, I'm gonna listen to it and because of that, God, I want to follow you because it matters. Thank you for the value that you give me. And so God, with all of those prayers God echoed to you, I pray that we would listen and hear your voice maybe today for the very first time. And if we do, God, Whatever you say, I will follow. So God, we love you. We bless you today. Thank you for the value you've placed in our lives. For it's in your precious name we pray.